So even after you're gone, nothing about Marina can go in the memoir? Write or breathe a single word and there will be blood on your hands. But blood the outstanding business I'm attending to today <laughs> should be recorded in minute detail. Walter! <laughs> Walter, you're the best drinking companion I've ever had. Thanks. I mean, we only drank together twice. I'm a high-functioning alcoholic, Walter. We prefer to do our serious drinking alone. So that when we weep, we can wallow in self-loathing without embarrassment. Self-loathing without embarrassment. Did you get that, Fantastic. Excellent. Walter, in my office bar is an unopened bottle of 1977 Holcroft single malt that I was going to drink if I ever committed suicide. I assume that's a scotch. Enjoy, my dear friend. It's yeah, not your guy. fault I'm always broke, Ashley. I'm a degenerate gambler who could use magic to alter the outcome of any game. But then I couldn't relive the secret shame I've held since I was two years old. What I crave most in the world is the degradation of losing. Thank you for every single moment of that. You're 56 short. You're a cutthroat bookie. <laughs> Gold. Magic has been a brutal series of disappointments. And after having lived 40 timelines, 39 of which range from the comically horrendous to the apocalyptically absurd, to find it was all for nothing. Nothing. Well, leaving this life actually feels liberating. Hold this gun. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Tell Jennifer thank you and goodbye. Can't let Katie have all the fun. I had an affair with his wife. Yeah. He behaved abominably. Do you find all this as cathartic as I do, Todd? I think you really hurt him. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 402 of Physical Kids Weekly. Lost, found, fucked. I'm Clara. <laughs> and I'm Danny. And this week we're thrilled to be joined by the man behind everyone's favorite Magic University administrator, Rick Worthy. Welcome, Rick. Oh, hello, ladies. Thank you so much for this. I, I can tell you this is going to be so much fun. I already, I'm already having fun already. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> well, we, we like to start, uh, since we haven't had you on before, with a short interview just yeah. about like you and your career, and then we'll get more into the episode itself. Rick, you've been working in film, television, and theater for, for quite a while now. Why don't you start by telling us how you got started as an actor? Well, I was a dancer back in the 80s, like the mid-80s. Um, and of course, at that time, breakdancing was all the rage. And um, breakdancing, uh, there was a TV show. Yeah, and there was a TV show. Um, you know, Michael Jackson was super hot. You know, yeah. he was a superstar, the arguably the biggest star ever at the time, uh, like mid '80s, and then Prince and all the breakdancing stuff that was coming out. And long story short, um, there was a TV show uh, on that I'm guessing might predate you both. Um, it was called Dance Fever. Oh, oh I so. I've heard of it, but I think it does predate you're, you're me. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was, um, that's okay. <laughs> um, it's sort of like, so you think you can dance? <laughs> it was sort of like that. And my brother and I, we're from Detroit, Michigan. Um, we heard that they were coming to Michigan to look for contestants, and we jumped right on it, and they, they chose us. And we flew to Hollywood to be on Dance Fever. And um, I, was I was like 18 years old. And my brother was 19 and we were both, uh, I had just, I was a freshman at University of Michigan and he was at Michigan State University. And long story short, we went to LA, we, we, we partied for a week in LA. We had a wonderful time. We came back to Michigan and then I started um, uh, pursuing acting uh, and my brother uh, started pursuing music as a producer and DJ and composer and things like that. So, and then long story short, um, I graduated U of M with a degree in film and theater and I moved to Chicago and I, I, I became an actor. I did a lot of theater in Chicago and uh, commercials and, and whatever I could do. And then one day I said, you know what? I really have to go to Los Angeles. And that was 24 years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of your most famous roles have been on major sci-fi and fantasy franchises like Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, and Supernatural. Have you always been drawn to those genres? You know, I, I um, and I've, I've said this before in other, other interviews, um, I came to L.A., at the age of 28 with, with the, the, the desire to be a cop on a great cop show like Hill Street Blues or NYPD Blue. And um, it took about a year, but I, I, I got on NYPD Blue. I did an episode of NYPD Blue and I was an undercover cop detective. And it, was, it wasn't like I thought it was going to be. It was super tense on set. Like every second was super tense. And um, the episode came out well. But I think I really wanted something like a different thing to do, like a different experience. And my agent called me and asked me if I was interested in being on Star Trek uh, as a Klingon. And I, I said, yes. <laughs> so, you know, like, like I, you know, like that's and what I and I, and I long story short, I ended up working a lot on Star Trek, um, all of them except the next generation and the original series. And um, what I discovered is that I, I think you really attract the things that you love the most. And I love science fiction and fantasy. And, and, and that's that's the bulk of my work now at, this, at the age of almost 52 coming up. And um, I, I think my best work has been in, that genre, in the genre of science fiction and fantasy. I love the work I've done on Supernatural, um, Battlestar, Stargate. Um, I did a miniseries called Fallen with Paul Wesley. We were, we were both angels. Um, and um, I'm skipping over a few other things, but um, it all, I think, led up to the magicians. And I think, you know, get, get, getting, the, getting to be the lucky bastard to play Dean Fogg has just been, it's, it's been a, one of the crowning achievements of my career so far. And I'm, 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 I know I'm so blessed. I really know that. We're all love you in the show. So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's funny because Danny and I, I mean, we'd had a lot of requests to have you on the show. And I mean, I told you this before, but we... It took oh. us about two years to track down um, the contact information we needed <laughs> yes. to, to be able to make that happen. But even like after we announced it, so many people came out of the woodwork as like huge Fog fans. So it's oh <laughs> man, people I, really appreciate know, I, the work. I, I'm so glad you told you guys told me that because I know the show isn't about Fog. I know that. Um, I know that he has to be there though. But I mean, the show is about our kings and queens, and you know all you know all of our all, what I call all of my all of my students. I said, but. Um, it, it, it like fog has become. I don't know if you guys knew this, but fog was supposed to die in the pilot. Well, I yeah. mean, we saw the pilot. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, I, I know you saw the pilot, but I what, like I'm reading the pilot. It was like it's funny how quickly time flies. Like we did the pilot in New Orleans in December of 2014. Yeah. Wow. And man, that's like going on. You know, that's four years ago. Going on five years ago. And um, it sat around for a while, and I, I didn't think it was going to get picked up. I thought it was great, though. You know, I was like, God, please pick this pilot up. It finally got picked up, thank God. But um, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the airplane flying from L.A. to New Orleans to shoot the, the pilot, and I'm reading it. And, and my agent already said, it's a great script, but you're going to die. So he already <laughs> told me. And I'm reading the script on the plane, and I said, this stuff is fantastic. Like, it's really excellent. I, I had heard of Lev Grossman. I just hadn't read the books. And I said, this script is freaking stellar, and I, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. And I love John and Sarah. They're old, old friends of mine. So whatever they write, I know it's going to be great. So we did the pilot, and then um, towards the end of shooting the pilot, uh, they both came up to me and, and said that, um, would I possibly be interested in returning? It's a show about magic. Maybe we can work it out, you know, even though the, the beast pulled out my eyeballs out of my skull. We can maybe work it out some kind of way. So they found a way to they found a way to do it. So I, I 
I, I, I'm, you know, I, I was completely kind of blown away by their generosity and their their desire to keep fog around. So yeah. <laughs> they also might have started potentially thinking of how much that they want to piss off the book fans since <laughs> Dean Fogg is very much alive and well throughout the whole series. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, you know, it's you know, like whenever you do an adaptation of something, you know, you know, it's going to be different. And um, you know, when I I read The Magicians, I said, well, in my mind, I kept picturing Donald Sutherland. As Dean Fogg, you know, like, you know, that sort of older 65, 68 year old white hair, beard. But they wanted to completely flip that on his head and try something different. And I'm glad they did. You know, they went with a guy who's 40 ish looking, bald, African-American. Um, he speaks in a very unique way. Um, and, and, you know, we can talk about acting theory if you want. But I, I, I said this is a character that I may not ever get a chance to do. I really want to make him unique as, as, as possible, you know. And um, uh, they let me just kind of run with them. So, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've said, you know, do some goddamn magic. Like, I don't know how many times I've said that. <laughs> when I meet people at conventions, they, they want me to say it to their husbands and wives, and, you know, <laughs> and record it on their phones. And, you know, I love the characters. So. <laughs> Before The Magicians, um, you mentioned that you, d- you did a lot of uh, sort of smaller roles on these, uh, on these fantasy franchises. I think I would descri- have described you as a character actor. Uh, how is playing those kinds of roles different than playing a character like Fogg? I and mean, that's a great question. I, in my heart, I am a character actor. That's that's how I approach any script, any any character. I look at it and try to step outside of Rick and become the other guy, you know. And um, I try to get away from me as much as I can, and and, and just try not to get in the way. And, um, you know, when people meet me, they say, man, you're, you're actually funny and you like to dance and you drink beer. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but you know, they're so used to seeing Fog or the Alpha Vamp or whatever the character is. And they like some people are, are, are slightly I can tell I can tell right away if some after doing a lot of conventions now, some people are a little afraid maybe to approach me. And some people right away want to come and, and shake my hand or hug me or something. And and um the people who are afraid, they they keep seeing the character in their heads, you know. They, well, they keep seeing, seeing a the guy vampire. Saying, they're seeing a vampire, <laughs> you know, or they're seeing, and some people like that, but they're seeing the vampire, or they're seeing, you know, a very, very, um, very aloof, very stern, very, very deep thinker, you know, Dean Fogg, um, and they 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 don't know if, if I'm capable of laughing. Well, yeah, I am. <laughs> I can totally see you especially since you used to want to play a cop i could totally see you on brooklyn 99 especially now that it's owned by nbc <laughs> that show is awesome i love that show that's <laughs> so good and i love andre brower you know he's 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 an actor who i've worked with him or i met him a long time ago when i was a young actor uh, uh doing star trek he we were on the mm-hmm. same lot at paramount and he was shooting something, and I said, I have to go side, say hi to Andre Brower. I, I think he's fabulous. And I knocked on his door, and I was dressed as, in full Klingon makeup and everything. <laughs> and he thought he was so fucking cool. He was like, man, that is so cool. <laughs> he said, he, he said who are you, what are you doing? I said, we're working on Star Trek. He says, oh, wow. Uh, and I told him I love his work so much. You know, but, you know, extraordinary show, extraordinary actor, so. Definitely. Well, you you mentioned Star Trek a couple of times, and since I'm a huge Star Trek nerd, um, when I was (laughs) doing research to prep for this, um, of course, like one of the first things I did was just like go down the Memory Alpha rabbit hole. Memory Alpha, for those of you who don't know, is it was like the first fan wiki before fan wikis were even like a thing. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Right, right, right. 
And you have a very long page on Memory Alpha. <laughs> I, do I really? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what? I, I have to, sometimes I, I check some of this stuff. Sometimes I don't. I, I, um, it's called memory alpha, right? Memory I, I know alpha. I've seen that. I've seen yeah. That. yeah. But what, okay. One of the things that I discovered is that one of the characters you played was, um, a character on Voyager who was like a, an Android whose safety mechanisms had gone far off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a two part um, episode. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, did I look like um? Did I look like an like a like a mannequin? Yeah, right? well, I I was right before we got hopped on here. I was watching the Orville, and you look kind of like the the like android character in that, yeah. just like totally yes. chrome yes. top to bottom. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's like the you know the, the Kmart version of a, of a robot, basically. Um, but this robot is super lethal. Like he is. Yeah. That, that's this whole thing is that they they look so kind of basic. But they're the most deadly robots in space, you know. And um, I played. That was one of my first jobs. I had. I was basically kidnapped, Belana Torres, mm-hmm. and forced her to use her engineering skills to replicate more of me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more versions of the character. Right? You, or the, I think his name was Automated Personnel Unit Three Nine Four Seven. That that sounds about yeah. right. It, it did start yeah, yeah, with yeah, a three. Yeah. It definitely had a four and a seven. Three, nine, four, <laughs> seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny how you remember these things, man. It's funny. <laughs> that was like yeah. that was years ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Clara has a good memory. For she Star has a Trek. good memory. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. for, for Star Trek in in particular, like there was a there was a time in my life where. Like I knew the name of every episode. It's let's not go there. That was a that's that's <laughs> me with like Harry Potter. Yeah. I've read it and watched it so many times that you can just like ask me the most bizarre question and I'll probably right. know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I um I, I love that. I mean, you know, I, I I mean I love being around my fellow tribe of nerds. I'm a you know I love sci-fi. I. If you guys saw my, you know, where the stuff that's around my apartment, I've got little Batman figurines and all kinds of stuff. You know, I got now it's like I got a lot of Black Panther stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I'm at a convention, either as a guest or just if I'm not invited to San Diego, I'll probably be there just walking around. And, you know, some people <laughs> are like, are you just walking around? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like because you know, I, I love it so much, you know, and, and I always buy little swag and stuff and little robot, whatever I can get, you know, and I bring. It's the coolest man. I have the best time when I go to a convention. They need to make magician spot figures so you can have that one. Would, yes, punk. that would be so dope. I would love to have that seriously, and I would I would collect the whole cast. Like it would be fun yes. to have the whole you know all of the different figurines and Funko Pops and. Well, cool and they stuff. could they could do like they did for the Twin Peaks one. So for the Twin Peaks one, they have like three different versions mm-hmm. of Dale Cooper for all of the all of the like new variations in the new series. So they could have like yes. uh, fog with and without the eyes, and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you could have one with like blood coming out of his eyeball, the, you know, oh, the eye socket, <laughs> you know. And then you have another one with the glasses on, you know, and the magic gloves, you know. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys can can surmise. I mean, they have they really challenge the hell out of us every season. Like it just the notch gets turned up yeah. every yeah. every time. And like I I, always, I told Henry, speaking of Henry, I love Henry so much. I was like, man, I, you guys have just shit. You guys are really forcing me to really. There's no faxing in anything. Like you have to just be there, like and on it. You know, you know, it doesn't matter how tired you are. You have to know what's going on. And 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 I love a show like that. Not that I would fax in anything. It's just that 
you know, the show keeps me on my toes and it, it forces me to think every time, you know, and, and yeah. I love that. And that's, that's what every, that's what you want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Rick, can I make you tell the story that you told me when we were doing the, uh, the phone test before about, um, how you ended up at San Diego Comic-Con your second year on the magicians? Oh, the second, <laughs> oh, the second year, um, let's see, uh, the second year. Was it the second year? The, uh, right. <laughs> the story you told me before. So, Danny, this is how this is how I got to San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> okay, so season two, I was invited. Uh-huh. Season three, um, they only invited six of the ten of us. Uh, uh-huh. I think Tre- Trevor and um, Brittany were made regulars, so they were the full ten regulars on the show. They invited six actors and two producers, or I think three producers or something. And I said, well, you know, goddamn it, I, I want to go to San Diego Comic Con, so. Time was of the essence, and I went online, uh, and, I, and my friend said, you have to go on eBay and find tickets. That's the only way you're going to get them at this point. So I went, and I bought, uh, I bought uh, two passes. I bought one for myself and one for a friend. And, you know, you pay, I don't know, $500 for these things, you know. And I, I, I bought my pass, and I, I walked around as Josh. Uh, what was his last name? My first name was Josh on my badge. Joshua something 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 i can't remember but like i had that you know you can just look at my on my chest and see the badge you know the badge and the second i get there <laughs> i can't tell you how many people are like your name's not joshua your name is rick worthy but <laughs> it's okay <laughs> it's okay and no one really you know no one gave me a hard time or anything you know i mean it was it was all good but um my friend was freaking out because she kept saying you have to be joshua you can't be rick you have to be joshua and i said oh you know okay whatever i'm an actor i'll be joshua <laughs> and um, it, we had, I thought it was so much fun. And the first thing we went to was the Jack Ryan experience. Uh, Is that 24? Uh, it's like a new, it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, Jack, yeah. The Jack one Ryan. with um, John Krasinski? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah we, went, we went, that was the very first thing that we went to. And I, I checked in as Joshua. You know, I, I made up some fake email, Joshua, Gmail, something, you know. And, um, Someone is was, still getting spam from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was so, it was really fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, being someone else for the weekend, you know. And um, <laughs> even though people wanted to take selfies with me, I was like, I'm, I'm Joshua. I'm Joshua. <laughs> I just love that story because, you, you know, you were saying you're such a nerd at heart. And that is such a, like, yeah. hardcore nerd yeah. story. Um, oh, yeah, you gotta do that sometimes. I've read stories about how Daniel Radcliffe's gone to Comic Con, but he like dressed as Spider Man, like full head to toe, right. so no one would ask him any questions. <laughs> well, Danny, yeah. I made my one and only. I got my one and only fake ID made for um, E three. <laughs> The year, the day of my senior prom. <laughs> you can't even go to E3 anymore. Like you have to be like invited now. Well, so we, d- so that's the thing. We had invites, but you had to also be 18 over because a friend of mine had like, oh, okay. so a friend of mine's aunt worked for s- some game company. And so she like gave us these tickets, but you had to be at least 18 and we were all like 16 and 17. So we had to make <laughs> fake IDs to go to E3. It's like the best <laughs> reason to make a fake ID. <laughs> It's definitely the nerdiest. It worked, worked, right? It did, yeah. My friend, well, my friend, (laughs) um, his ID had, 
I, I can't remember. Something happened with his, and they like wouldn't let him in. I think they. I think he was the person who they were like, "We're not so sure about your ID," but he was the one who had gotten us the tickets. And so, me and my other friend went in and like found his aunt, and she was like, "Here, just take this. Just take this. It's an ID for one of my booth babes." So he walked around as like you know. Kara Smith all day or something like that. <laughs> you do what that. you got to do. Like seriously, <laughs> you do what you got to do. And like you, once you get in there, you guys know, you get in that, that convention hall, man, it's just energy, energy, energy. Yeah. And <laughs> I, there's nothing like it. You know, I'm trying to get my, I would love if my nephews would come to conventions there. Cause they're about like 23 and 21. I know they would love it. I just know they would. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm trying to get them to at least go to New because they're in New York. I would love for, for oh, them yeah. to go to New York Comic Con or something. Yeah. I keep wanting to get us press passes for like one of them, but like every uh, single year we like miss the mark by like a day or two. We'll be like, uh, oh, <laughs> man, I know. Or isn't there? Can't you get like um? Can't you get like a, what's called a pro pass as well? Or is that the same thing? I like think a, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. I yeah. think so. But yeah, you have to like apply yeah. for them and they, I don't know. It's a whole thing. Anyway. Like verify right. it. Right. Yeah. Interview? And it, <laughs> yeah, let's get back to the interview. <laughs> 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 we do this a lot. Um, in the, <laughs> so in the early seasons of The Magicians, Dean Fogg gave off this very knowledgeable take charge vibe. He always seemed to know what he was doing yeah. and what was best for his students. But in the last season, he had to make harder choices, one with, ones with unclear and even undesirable co- consequences. Can you talk right. to us about that evolution and how you've approached it as an actor? Great question. Um, thanks. Um, I can tell you that, um, you know, one, one, in terms of fog and, and, and uh, uh, a character that weighty and, and, and that who has, you know, literally like, in terms of Dean Fox, somebody's got the weight of the universe on his shoulders. Like he has to carry that with him all the time. And um, I think my approach season for season one was our initial objective for season one. And you know, my the super objective that I had for the character was we have to find a way to stop the beast. That's the, mm-hmm. the priority number one. Period. You know. And um, uh, season one, my approach was to make him. You know, a father figure, a, a dean, um, uh, a, 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 an incredibly uh, uh, talented magician, and um, uh, someone who, um, you know, he he is in charge of the university. Sarah Gamble told me she said, you know, I mean, there's a lot to the character, and and you have to you have to realize that he's not just Dean Fogg. Like he is Breakbills. You know, he is the epitome of Breakbills itself. He's arguably the most gifted magician out of anyone there um, in terms of all the faculty. So um, I don't know if you remember from season one, I believe someone says something like um, Fogg was a self-taught magician. I think Fogg says it. He says, I, I learned, I, I, I was, this, I taught myself magic at the age of four, four years yeah. old. He's a baby, just a baby, you know, and I have a whole backstory that I wrote for Fogg that I would love to maybe make a web series about. <laughs> so, That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for each character, too, you know, there's just so much going on. And um, I know how he learned magic. I know every, everything that leads up to where he is today. Um, and um, it's an it, immensely intriguing story, you know, this character, Dean Fogg, Dean Henry Fogg. So to answer your question, um, season one, um, he's, you know, straight professor Dean Fogg. He runs the school. He's a magician. He's a magic professor. 
Um, and, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, a father figure. Um, and I always think about Elliot because Elliot sort of mm. tries to dress a little bit like Ding Fog with the way he ties his ties and things like that. You know, um, and um, Hale and I were talking about this and he says, you know, he always he, he likes to sort of think. Hale told me that he, Elliot, he likes to have Elliot sort of think of Fogg as sort of a, as a, as a, as a, as a dad, you know, so, um, and this is what we just know amongst ourselves. Season two and three, and then everything leading up to four, there's a, a, a major evolution of, of Fogg and all the other characters, you know, and, um, he has really gone through hell. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, and, and, and has found a way to somehow survive, uh, in a, survive it all. And I've always said that, um, you know, especially when you're looking at fog in, 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 um, uh, with, the, with the glasses on, you know, I've always said that, you know, behind those glasses is a man who's just barely holding it together. Like he's just just barely holding it together. He's he's in an enormous amount of pain and um, he's, he's he, he, he can't but he can't he doesn't really trust anyone and he can't really let someone know that, you know, like I, I might need some help here. There's a great scene with with uh, Julia and Fog, where where she heals his vision, you know, yeah. with just a single single, literally like was just a second of just touching his temples. Bam, he can see. And I remember talking to Stella and the and the director. I said, I don't even know what I'm going to do in this scene. So just just let me let me just let's just run with it, you know. And um, there's a gr the scene was I thought was so great because. He's afraid. Um, if you think about the scene, she wants to touch him, and he kind of backs, backs away from her, yeah. because mm -hmm. he he's a, he doesn't want anyone to help him. But he knows that she can do it. Like he yeah. knows that if there's anyone in the world who can who can who can heal his sight, it's it's Julia. And um, um, finally, he allows someone to physically, literally touch him. You know, and and then bam, he can see again. And we played it. We did it several different times, and you know, it was it was it was one of those. <laughs> It's one of those scenes where you just like you, you you get home and you just wiped out because man you know so intense <laughs> so um, I think that um, his evolution has has been from has has gone from being someone who's in charge, has got it all handled, don't need any help from anyone, to someone who's like well I may need a little bit of help but I'm going to try to get it get it solved myself if I can, and uh, for him to to reach out for help uh, is a major, major step for, and I think an evolution for Dean Fogg, too. Do you see him as a villain for cooperating with the library, or is he just misguided? I don't see him as a villain. I don't. I mean, in terms of the Magic Witness Protection Program, I mean, Fogg really is, I mean, he cast the spell. You know, he's, a, again, he's a fabulous magician. He, he, with looking at this graphic novel, he said, this is great. That'll be Penny. That'll be Julia, that'll be, you know, you know he's, he's got everyone picked out. Everyone has a completely new identity. And um, from Fogg's point of view, even before the memory wipe, at the end of season three, Fogg jumps in into Castle Blackspire with Irene McAllister and with Gavin from the library. And they, and they take the magic, you know. And it's, it's, it's like what I, I always call it, like, it's the ultimate gangster move because no one saw that coming. Fogg takes the magic along with them, and, he, and then he wipes their memories. And I think he has said to himself, I have to hit the reset button <laughs> and everything has to start over again because in the hands of, of, of these particular students, you know, the world almost ended. So, yeah. it, you know what I mean? So like he's had to find a way to let's restart it. Let's hit the reset button and let's start over again. And then I'll, I'll yeah. keep them all alive, you know?
people have said, well, do you love them? Do you hate them? I'm like, he, he loves them. He's trying to protect yeah. them. That's why he wiped their memories and gave them completely new lives. You can um, really tell, especially yeah. with this episode. Like, you can yeah. really especially tell. Especially with Julia. You can really tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I mean, I, I, I got quite a few... I wouldn't say hate mail, but I, I got quite a few. <laughs> I got quite a few haters, I guess, uh, on social media from at the end of season three. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trolls. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and I'm cool with it. I'm I'm totally fine with it. Everyone's allowed their own opinion, but um, uh, you know, people are like, well, you know, WTF? You know, what the fog? What the fuck? We, you know, <laughs> you know. And um, I said, look, it it it. Believe me. He had to do this. He had to do this. Did, um, they, did they let you know beforehand, like, don't worry, like, this isn't, like, a complete betrayal, or were they, like... You mean, you mean the writers, produ- the writers yeah. and producers? Um, they kind of... They didn't kind of give me... I mean, we were all waiting to see what, what episode 13 of, at the end of season three, what the script was going to be. Like, you, you know, you, the second you get it in your, on your phone or your tablet, like, you just start reading it right away. If there's a hard mm-hmm. copy, I prefer hard copy. You start reading it right away. And, um, I, my, you know, my eyeballs popped out of my head (laughs) because I, I, you know, (laughs) if I can say, because I thought it was such a, um, it was a kind of an unexpected, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen with fog, but when I read it, I said, okay, okay. So he's been in in, in an alliance with the library and Zelda and the order. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long has he been in alliance with them? Um, you know, and so you have all these questions that come up right away. And, um, I always look at his alliance with the order as, is, is, you know, it's an uncomfortable alliance that, that had that, you know, they have to get, have to work it out. You know, I think it's, it's, it's kind of a, like Fogg's alliance with Zelda and the order. And, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable, but necessary thing. You know, I always say it's like, it's kind of like Kennedy and Khrushchev, like they have to, figure out a way how to sit down and manage this whole thing. Otherwise, you know, it'll all go to hell. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So you mentioned, um, a lot about Dean's or about Dean Fogg's backstory, um, in the answer to the previous question. And I guess I was curious about that sort of difficulty he has. He he mentions it in, in that, uh, like right after the, where we ended the clip, he says that, uh, like all, he was raised by his grandmother, um, who was, the wisest and the kindest, I think. Kindest, um, yes, yeah, the kindest, <laughs> wisest woman that I've ever known. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and what, wait, what's the line after that? Do you remember it? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I was raised by my grandmother, the kindest, wisest woman I've ever known. But I, I could never tell her that because all forms of intimacy terrify the hell out of me. So, <laughs> where did that like come that. from? Where did that? <laughs> where did, Where do you think that fear of intimacy yeah. came from? If he was w- raised by somebody who was so loving. Uh, pain. Uh, his, 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 his backstory is so sadly riddled with pain and, um, in, in terms of how he was raised, not by his grandmother essentially was the, the one person in, in, in his world, you know, that, that, that loved him and he loved her and that he, that he could trust, you know, um, something happened. Uh, to his grandmother, and um, you know, it's it's essentially it changed it changed Henry Fogg, and uh, he wasn't able to help her, and he lost her. So um, he grew up not really um, having the strength or, or the courage to really trust and, and and to love other other people, and um, 
uh, you know, again, you know, magic comes from pain. You know, it comes from something, you know, just deep, deep in your soul, you know. And um, that's why I would love to, like, I, I would love to, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I hope we go to season five. I really do. Um, because I would love to see some a little bit more backstory with Dean Fogg. Mm-hmm. Um and, yeah. and and all the and all the other characters as well, but you know, um, I would love to see. I selfishly say a little bit more for Fog in terms of in terms of who he is. You know, um, I've, sorry, go ahead. I've always wanted to see more of like his relationship with uh, Jane Chatwin. Like, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. I'd love yeah. to see her back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they've lived forty lifetimes together. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there, and. Um, you know, you can see it right from the pilot too. Like there, there's mm-hmm. so much there between those two characters, James Hatman and, and 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 Dean Fogg, and um, um, they just they they understand each other. You know, they get each other. Uh, I, I loved all the scenes that we had. You know, and I thought they were came out really well. And I never worked with um, Esme Bianca. I never I never worked with Esme. I knew her work. We just had never met before. And um, I thought she was terrific as James Hatman. Um, and our scenes just really popped, you know, it really sort of kind of set a, a, a strong tone for what was at stake. That first scene in the pilot when we we're sitting on the bench together, like that sets the tone, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and then everything just comes right after, you know, and it just, it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And, um, you know, right away that they, you know, literally the life of the, everything as we know it is at stake, you know? So, um, I would love to see more, more, more of a backstory with, with both characters. Yeah. So onto something a little lighter. We we read that you're going to be singing in the musical episode this season. So <laughs> what was that like? And will we get to see you break dance? <laughs> <laughs> you know, y- yes. You will. If you see me, okay, you will get to see me break dance. Um, if you catch me at a convention, I'll break dance for you. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, I still got some moves now. I can. I can. Just, I, but my brother. He's older than me. He's he can keep up with anyone. Like he is awesome. In fact, he just posted a video on Instagram of him and this. I, I, I just I'm just not current with some of the singers that are out right now. But it's a young hip hop dude, and like they're both singing and they're both like dancing. And my brother, I am not even kidding. I thought my brother was better than him. I thought I, mean, I thought he can <laughs> keep keep up with him, you know. And um, uh, you know, I I thought that was cool. Um, I will be singing in season season four and um i've been waiting thank you <laughs> i've been waiting i've been waiting ever since season one you know and uh uh ever since ever since we did a musical episode in season one which i thought was brilliant i have been sort of asking john you know please just let me sing just three four five words just anything you know <laughs> so they they finally let me let me hop in there and, and do a little something. So and I got to tell you something. I was freaking terrified because we, we have to pre-record in the studio. Yeah. And I've been acting since age twenty, like that's thirty, that's thirty-one years now. And I, you know, almost thirty-two years. And I in the, when I went into the recording studio to sing to pre-record, my hands were shaking like this, like they were. I was I was nervous, you know. And I, I, I just, I was like, well, God, I, I just hope I can hit these notes, you know. And it took a while. I would say after about ten minutes, I started my, like, I, I, I relaxed more, and I could really hear my own voice mm. hitting the notes. And then, I, and then I, then I, then I did it. And then, as <laughs> it was so funny, and then I couldn't stop singing. Like I'd be on set, and I'd just break out and sing something. 
And then summer and everybody be like, damn, you just you, you really can sing. You know? And then at some point it was like, OK, Rick, we get it. You can sing. So stop. So. <laughs> well, we don't get yeah, it yet. You're I, welcome I, to sing now. <laughs> well, I want to sing, but I, I don't want to give away what the song is. <laughs> you could sing Danny Happy Birthday. It was her birthday over the weekend. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> well, if that's any indication, we've got some good stuff to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, I think it's so cool because people have, people have really, um, uh, like when I meet fans, they always say, man, is there going to be another um, musical episode? And I'm like, yeah, you know, because John McNamara. As long has, as John can get away with it. <laughs> as long as John can get away with it, you know, and, and yeah, because John is like, he is going to put a musical in as long as he's, you know, as long as he's boss, he will. He said there was going to be an episode where we had a musical. So I, I love that. I hope that the last <laughs> season is just a musical the entire way through. <laughs> 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 that would be great. Sarah would, would probably like flip a table and walk out, but <laughs> that would be so. I'm serious. I would. I, I'm, I would love that. That would just be amazing. You know, and, and it, like if season five is the last season, which I, I hope it isn't. You know, and if we go to season five, or whatever the last season is, make every episode a musical. That would be cool. <laughs> At least one number every episode. Yeah. Well, you know, I I um. I don't know if you guys know, but I did an episode of Glee once, Wait. and I didn't, I didn't do any singing at all. And um, I, uh, I, I, but all, everybody was so nice. Like all the actors, are, they were just so. I'm like, these guys are talented. They're nice. They're they're handsome. They can sing. I'm like, gosh. And um, I told my agent, I said, look, tell them I can sing and dance, please. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. So. <laughs> 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 well, now you get vindication. Yeah. <laughs> if you could pick a song to sum up Dean Fogg's personality, what would it be and why? Man, I keep thinking about Miles Davis. Man, um, Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. Yeah. Good choice. Melancholy, sweet, right? Everything about that album is so powerful and unique and, 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 and it just, I think it, such as humanity itself. I love the album and I've, I've had it, I've owned it since I was age 20. So like, I love, love that album. And um, it was one of those albums, like someone, someone, like if someone asks you, like if you were stranded on a desert island, if you could take three things with you, and one of them had to be music related, like, you know, what would it be? I, I would say it would have to be kind of, you know, Miles Davis kind of blue. So the album is great. And um, uh, I, I think um, a lot, um, uh, the more I, and I'm still learning about De uh, Dean Fogg, like the more I dive into who he is, you know, I, I care about him, you know, and I think that album is, 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 it, it touches, it touches my soul. So I, I think I would be, it'd be good for Dean Fogg. Definitely. Our next question was, what's your favorite song? So is that your favorite song? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of, I have a lot of musical interests. I think you can tell a lot about someone by what they read and what they watch and what they binge watch <laughs> and also um what movies they see and what music they listen to you Definitely. know and like you can really go right to someone pretty much kind of get a snapshot of someone by their musical tastes for me you know like it, it just depends on my mood like i 
I can tell you that uh, tonight before I go to bed, I'll be listening to um, some kind of lo- kind of like like classical jazz, you know, just like piano or something, you know, and, and then like tomorrow morning when I wake up, uh, I'm going to go running in the morning. And um, when I get back, I kind of like to I don't like to listen to music when I'm running. I like to listen to music after after I'm done working out. Like I get out of the shower, I say, and then I turn on to music and I listen to um, like deep house music. You know, yeah, you know, like, yeah, like that's what I love to listen to. And, and, and it, it makes sense because being from Detroit and, and, and then later Chicago, my brother being a DJ, like that's the kind of music that he does and, and produces. I'll listen to some really cool, some chill out house music and just kind of chill out for the morning. Um, I've always said that I would love to play Jimi Hendrix, but I think I'm too old now. So it's, it's like a dream role for me, you know, like if I could choose a, like a role to play, it would, it would probably be Jimi Hendrix. I did see the movie that Andre, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but um, Andre 3000 played Jimi Hendrix. I, I don't want to, you know, talk bad of anyone, but I, I just didn't, I, I thought it just, the movie could have been done so much better. If, you, if, all you, if all you saw was this movie and you didn't know a lot about Jimi Hendrix, you wouldn't even really know a lot about how great he was. He was a musical genius. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't you, you, like I don't know if they got I don't think they got the rights to some of the songs. Yeah. So you know, you, you, like you didn't you didn't hear Purple Haze. You didn't hear um, Crosstown Traffic. You didn't hear like all the you, you know, little wing, you know, like, you know, yeah. I wanted to see him just jam it and, 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 and discover it, you know, and you didn't really see any of that, you know. So yeah. I would love to do it, but uh, I'm, it's probably going to be done by somebody else. So, yeah. I feel like a lot of biopics go that way, especially with musicians. Yeah. Like I've heard a lot of mixed things about the, uh, the Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yeah, mm. we saw it, and it was like honestly, yeah. it was it, it, like it was it wasn't bad in the sense that like you wanted to walk out of it, but we looked up we looked it up afterwards, and there were just like a lot of really incorrect things about um, about oh, wow. his life or just like ways that they'd changed it. And then I, I heard mean, it really didn't touch on his sexuality. Like, no. And I mean, I, like Lanier and I were right. talking about oh. that and like, it's, wow. we think that might've been intentional because like he said at the time that like, he didn't want to be a poster boy for, um, for, for um, the LGBT right. movement or for gay ra- or for, um, for gay rights or for um, right. HIV positive. Right. But like, at the same mm-hmm. time, it felt like there were a lot of pieces missing, and like they hadn't quite settled on the tone. I was I was really surprised that it like won the Golden Globe for Best Picture. I was surprised for many reasons. Wow! Just <laughs> wow! I uh, you know what I I I didn't know any of that. I mean, I love Freddie Mercury and I love Queen and I love Bohemian Rhapsody. It's my go-to karaoke song. So. Um, you know, like a lot of people, you know, not only that song, but I love all the other songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I I thought he was great uh, as, as Freddie and um, Remy Malik. Uh, yeah, well, he's always uh, great. Yes. <laughs> he's always great. You know, it's like if they do a biopic, you know, like again, I mean, you brought up a great point. Like, how accurate is it? You know, uh, um, uh, I mean, the movie made me cry. It really did. You know, but I, I, I now I'm curious as to see like what, what what the real deal was, like the real story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's what the like, internet's if, for. Like, let me let me let me just quick you. Let me ask you guys something. Like, okay, at the very end, <laughs> when he does the when he does the outdoor concert. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it for was it for live live? Yeah, uh, Live Aid. Live Aid, right? And I remember that. I remember that. I was 
you know, I was there. I remember that concert. I mean, I wasn't there at the concert, but I remember Live Aid. When he told his when he told his bandmates and his pals that that he was HIV positive, like, and then he went out to sing. Is that how it really went down? No, they knew months in advance. This is one of the things that Linear brought up. I think they knew like months in advance of that. Or actually, okay. maybe it was, I'm trying to remember the details, but it, it definitely wasn't like that. And I think okay. he, like the whole drama around him, like not saying yes to it and then like them struggling to get in at the last minute, that's entirely fabricated. <laughs> Really? Yeah, which is like a central wow. drama of the end of the movie. And so it's it's just a little weird to have right. that be something that isn't real, especially when there's so wow. much real drama <laughs> to be had. I can take my head off. Man, I didn't know about that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost like you almost don't want to know what really happened because now I have to think about the whole movie again. And I, 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 I want to see it again. Yeah. People I love this love, performance. People love to take artistic liberties. I think a big one was like, even though it's a musical, was The Greatest Showman. Like the actual story about like um, the, the creator of the Barnum. circus is so right. awful. Yeah, that's his name. P.T. Barnum. He is an awful human Barnum. being. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But wow. that movie is beautiful. Right. I think about a lot the fact that like, we have so many movies movies and like pieces of literature and like biographies like written biographies right. that like glorify these brilliant assholes and they like talk about what assholes they are like the Steve Jobs book right like talks about what an asshole he is but we still right. revere him as like wow. this super genius who like nobody else right. can touch and it's like do you, right. like really was was he worth all of the people whose careers he probably ruined wow <laughs> yeah. was he that much of a genius well, this, is like, this is like this is like a whole other podcast that we could <laughs> We can talk about this like another like next week if you want to. <laughs> yeah, because, you know what I mean. It's like it's like I've met you know I'm not naming any names you know of course, but I, I mean I've met people and I'm like wow I was, I'm so disappointed, you know. And it, it, it could be it could be a, it could be a singer, uh, another actor, it could be a director, you, you know, someone that you know you a writer, a politician, someone who well politician. <laughs> You're just setting yourself up for disappointment with that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, uh, I mean, you know, someone who you you just you just hold in such high regard, and then like, wow, man, uh, I almost—it's yeah. almost like I don't even want to like, you know, like I get like the little buzzes on my phone, like you know, like news alerts and things like that. I I had yeah. to turn all this off, especially since Trump winning. Like I just can't take it anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's like you know you hear about people and you're like oh man what no 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 well so. <laughs> the good thing is at least we, we've talked to a lot of people on the magicians and no one involved with it has yet been disappointing so oh, <laughs> everyone just seems great. <laughs> um on that note though i think we should talk about the episode because we're f like 45 minutes in 50 minutes in so oh, sorry wow. if we keep you yeah. over um, no, okay. no problem. Be, no problem. No problem. It's gonna be our longest podcast, I think. Um, yeah. Before we dive in, I like to give a quick recap. I don't know how quick this is because there's so much going on in this episode, but uh, here's what I got. Marina23 tries to de-glamour Janet, Sam, Isaac, and DJ Hansel, only to learn Dean Fogg was the one who cast who cast the spell um, through a, a <laughs> magical read-me voicemail, which I thought was hilarious. Um, yes. 
Then she takes DJ Hansel with her to break Bills, where she injects Fog with a serum that will cast the same spell on him that he cast on his students. Uh, oh, but right. not all of our glamoured friends came out of Marina's de-glamouring unaffected. Janet, a.k.a. Margot, wakes up not on Earth, but in Fillory, where she meets up with Finn and Tick and hatches a plot to find... Ember. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, we're halfway through. Okay, <laughs> gotta keep going. Um, meanwhile, You're the monster, <laughs> aka Elliot, we hope, and Brian, aka Quentin, aka Bry Guy, uh, try to summon a yes. god <laughs> so that the monster Brian, can retrieve Brian, what the gods. Not Brian. <laughs> yeah, what the gods have taken from him. <laughs> Everything comes to a head when Kimber, a.k.a. Julia, and Todd, a.k.a. our little Todd Muffin, find the self-powering magical <laughs> battery that Fog built to run the spell, and Julia realizes she can destroy it. When the episodes end, all our glamoured friends have returned to normal, just in time for the monster to come after them. Okay, did I miss anything? <laughs> you did great. That was great. Woo! All right. Yeah. It, it's always harder when there's not a, you know, Wikipedia summary up beforehand. <laughs> um so i have to say the second you said when you said todd i just felt like going like this todd (laughs) like one of my favorite parts of the episode (laughs) (laughs) i should send you the uh the super clip of from one episode every time we said todd's name it goes on for like a minute and a half (laughs) i would Seriously, send it send it to me for my birthday. I will laugh my ass off. When's your birthday? <laughs> March twelfth. March twelfth. Okay. Uh, back to the episode. I, I have to say that I, I really enjoyed this one. I love the whole sequence where Fogg is dictating his memoirs to Todd. And um, I think even more than that, I really liked seeing Stella get to do some physical comedy. And yeah. so much of that is yeah. just like Julia has been through so much these past few seasons. And so like oh. most of what Stella yeah. has to do is really dark. Like she has to go to really dark places. And so... It was oh. just really nice to see her get to have some fun in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Danny? What did you think? I loved this episode. This was great. It was just funny, but like serious at the same time. Um, I really love seeing like Marina. I feel like we actually haven't gotten <laughs> to see Marina on screen that much. Yeah. I loved your notes episode. about Marina in this episode. <laughs> she said the phrase cunt with fangs it was, <laughs> <laughs> and i just like feel like that's such yeah. a perfect description for herself yes um, yes yeah i i yeah. loved every like all of just like the scenes between like there's so many people on screen that we hardly get to see together yeah um, right so it was just really fun yeah i'm so glad you, i'm so glad you both liked the episode i i mean we chris fisher you know we're blessed to have not just, a, a, I mean, John wrote this episode and I can always, I can tell you that I can, I, I know, we all know that if John's writing it, he's going to just, pu- just push us, push us, push us, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he knows our strengths and, and weaknesses and he, he really tries to give us a chance to either, you know, succeed or fail, you know? And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he, he, he puts the challenge in front of us every, every time he writes, you know? And I, and I love that about John. I, I worked with John 17 years ago on the show called Eyes, with Tim Daly and Garcelle, who plays Our Lady of the Underground. And we were all these private eyes uh, in L.A. And, um, I, and, and and John just wrote, I remember John um, reading John's script. And um, I never met him, you know, I was going in to meet him the following day. But I read the script and, and uh, my agent said, man, this is the best thing I've read in like in five years, you know. 
Flash forward to the magicians now, 17 years later, and I'm working with him again, and we've all gotten older, we've all grown up, and he's he's still just, you know, he's just so excellent, you know, and I, he, the stuff he wrote for Fog in this episode is just wonderful, mm. you know, I love it, love it, love it. I totally agree also um, with you in, in terms of um, Stella. Uh, Stella, I love me some Stella. <laughs> Stella's like my little, she's like the sister I never had. Like, I love her so much. And, and she's, she's, she, she really comes to work ready to rock and roll, you know. And we all do. And, um, and she, um, you know, Julia has gone through this incredible journey, you know, being not admitted to break bills and then becomes a hedge witch and then she becomes a, a god or goddess and, you know, um, is able to, she's essentially invulnerable at this point, you know? And, um, I loved when she and Todd, um, find this perpetual battery that, that Todd <laughs> was telling her about. And, um, you know, and you guys saw it. So, you know, when, when they find that, that fog does have this battery that he's been working on for years, um, and that's essentially what's running in whatever residual magic is left is coming from this battery. And and um, uh, I love that she touches the battery and then she dies. Like she gets catapulted across the room and she she dies. And then a few seconds later, she's alive. <laughs> and then you know she does it over like forty eight thousand times. She you know I don't know how many times, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And then and then at last she touches it, and then it's depleted. You know, and, and she's a yeah. And it, I thought that was and she just did that so it was so funny and it was so well done. Yeah, and, Todd, uh, Todd just like gave up. Todd just yeah. gave up and starts listening to his Walkman. Yeah. Which yeah, 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 <laughs> he has a Walkman, yeah, walk first of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, second yeah, of all, yeah, did yeah. you yeah. see? I the second time I watched this, I noticed I was like, "What is he reading?" And he's reading um, Nude Sailing magazine. So yeah. like, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. I was trying to. I actually, I was trying to because I, I was like, "What the fuck is Todd reading?" Because I, I, I watched it. And then I pressed pause on, on, on the computer and I was like, the art of nude sailing? Of course he would read something like that. Man, he just like... He needs pretentious really porn. really wanted to go on the mud jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, um, if I can just, uh, you know, I I so love Adam and and, um, and Casey and I think, you know, they're a great addition to the series and... and um, you know, forever how long the musicians goes, I, I really hope that they continue writing for them because I, you know, they, they're they're just part they're part of the show. They have to be there. You know, we've been waiting for Todd to be a series regular forever. Yeah, and I keep yeah. lobbying. He needs to be in a musical episode, and he needs to sing "I Just Can't Wait to Be King" from The Lion King because he just so wants to be Elliot. <laughs> he wants to be Elliot so badly. That yeah, song is in his soul. And, and he's yeah. It was. I mean, we did our. We did like in between takes, he would he would try to, you know, make me laugh or say this or that. And I'm trying to be focused and not be distracted and, you know, thinking about all the things I want to do in the scene. And then but I'm just like, that's how Adam is. You know, he's, he's just kind of a he's, he's very easy going, easy going. He's a terrific actor. Don't get me wrong. He's just in between shots. He, he likes to tell jokes or chat and be <laughs> chatty. And, you know, everyone has sort of a different process. And um, I said, okay, I can I can kind of rock and roll with that, but I have I have to stay focused because I'm have, getting ready to die here. You know, <laughs> Dean Fogg is literally getting ready to, um, you know, transform into man. Talk about payback, man. I mean, Marina, you know, casts Fogg as 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 her father. Let's let, let's save that for later because I have some questions around that. Yeah. Um, I want to start by talking about yeah. the uh, the Quelliot of it all. So, Danny, you had this bit in your notes about the monster being in love with Quentin that I thought was really interesting. Can you say a little more about that? <laughs> yeah. So, I just realized it was just like 
<laughs> I feel like I'm wondering if the monster like can like be sort of like in tune with Elliot at the same time because it's like Elliot's obviously in love with Quentin and so like it seems to have some sort of emotional like attachment to Quentin doesn't want to kill him uh, right. wants to keep him there and I do realize that Quentin did show some compassion towards the monster in the finale last season but I, is it more than that is he like in love with Quentin because Elliot is in love with Quentin I'm not sure what do you think? So I think some of it is probably, there's some bond between, like, the monster and whoever is his, like, assigned keeper. Because we saw that with, what was her name? Aura? Is that her name? From the end of last season? Oh, I don't remember her name, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. The, like, keeper. Um, and But definitely, like, his relationship with her was more like a parent-child. And I agree with you that there is something, like, a little bit more romantic about the relationship between the monster when he's Elliot and Quentin than sure. there was between the monster before and Aura. Um, especially that scene, like, when they're in the ruins in what I assume is Greece. I liked your phrase, Greece on a budget. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, when he's like leaning his head, when the monster is leaning his head on Quentin, definitely like feels romantic. I mean, I love, I love those two together. I think they're just wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite episodes last season was when they become old men together. Yes. So beautiful. I, 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 I was crying. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> we all cried. It, it, it was beautiful. You know? It, it actually ended up on a lot of top 10 lists of episodes for the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was so beautiful and it was, it was so, so smart and so well done. And they grow, they grow old together, you know, and, and uh, touching, very touching. Yeah, but they, those two, those two are. I, they they're ship, meant they to ship be. well together. Is that, is that the correct term? <laughs> <Yeah>. they <ship>? Yes. <laughs> they're they're yeah. OTP. They're meant to- <laughs> Do you know that term? Yeah. I think always- <laughs> I, I think I'm always going to be a little bit more Alice Quentin just because that's what happens in the books, and I'm fond of it. But I do love me some Quelliot. I mean, in an ideal world, they'd just be they'd just be a, a thruple. True. In an ideal world, they'd all be together. But <laughs> I think Alice has too many jealousy issues for that. Alice, oh, I, 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 I very much love Alice, though. Very much. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so back to the episode. You were also, you also mentioned in your notes, wondering what what the monster was and if it might still be tied to like the. So last season, uh, Rick, on our podcast, we were speculating about what was going on, what was going to end the season, and we both right. thought like, oh, they're going to go to this like island prison this like magical island prison they're gonna like release the titans and it's gonna be the titan amaki and of course like it would never be (laughs) it's never that straight a path to uh mythology (laughs) um but you were saying that you thought there might be like something still related to that in this season danny do you want to elaborate yeah like i just keep hearing names like like they're like almost all the gods and people that they keep mentioning are all just from like you know Greek mythology mostly. Mm-hmm. There are also just names of gods from other mythologies, which just I feel like ties together with the fact that all the mythologies are technically the same. They just use different names. But you have Cassandra, mm-hmm. who is mentioned. Um, right. She's pretty popular in mythology. We had Calypso last season. Calypso, um, I love- 
and that's more like Homer, Odyssey, like Iliad stuff, um, which I feel like I'm needing to read at this point just because all these names keep popping up. But <laughs> I actually haven't read them. They're they're very. Uh, it's been a long time. There's a new translation of the Odyssey that came out last year. Um, I think it might be like the first. Um, like I don't know. I don't know that it's the first translation by a woman, but it's like it's gotten a lot of attention, and it is by a woman. And um, definitely, like most of the like translations that people teach have taught academically up until this point have been by men. Okay. So you might check that out if you're looking for a place to start. Oh yeah, definitely. That's a good thing. Sure, yeah. I just like they just keep bringing up all these names, and I'm just like very curious because um, God of War. I, I thought it was really funny how they used like his other name, and I was just like, "Oh, I'd like to hear you call him Aries." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I looked it up at some point, and I think they are actually. I think they're different. Like, I think what did they say? That so I looked it up. There's, there's so there's two different things. Um, he's known either as uh, the son of Kronos, or um, he might be Ares' son, or sometimes he's just another name for Ares. So it's just like there's a lot of different interpretations for that character. Ah. Right. I feel like the mythology that we're getting can't be pure at this point, right? Like it can't be just like a yeah. straight line back to mythology. But I still find myself thinking about, especially when it comes to the monster, like trying to pin that to something that I know or something that like – yeah. I, I want to say is real, but it's mythology, so that feels weird. <laughs> um, right. But, like, I read yeah. Circe, the Madeline Miller book, which is, like, this retelling mm-hmm. of um, the story of Circe, who she's, like, the other sorceress slash witch that um, Odysseus encounters. And she's okay. the son of Helios, or the daughter of Helios, I think. Um, and when she talks about the Minotaur, when she's, like, introducing him for the first time, she describes it as, like, a creature that just has, like, infinite want. And and that reminded me of the way that, like, they first started talking about the monster as, like, this creature that just, like, wants and wants and wants and yeah. can't stop wanting. And, like, of course the... Like, I don't think that can, I don't think it can be that, like, straightforward, but, you know, the Minotaur was imprisoned in a labyrinth, which is not quite the same as what we saw, but, like, there's right, a resemblance right. there. Oh, for sure. I, I, I agree. I, I think they, I think they're sort of borrowing a bit from different places, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to, to put the story together and, and to, you know, create, create something original, you know, that's something borrowed here and there. Uh, I don't think anything is, is exact or 100% pure. You know, it's like it's sort of maybe a mess of different different things or, or at least it, in, in, inspired by different things. Uh, you know, I love Bacchus. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. <fun>. Yes. <laughs> I think the actor is hilarious. He just plays the character so well. And, and um, I love Ember as well. Um, yeah. Talking about in terms of the gods we've seen so far, you know, um, uh, that the viewing public has seen. Um, I think the actor is extraordinary. He plays Ember and uh, Ember and Ember, wonderful. Yes, yeah, uh, Dominic and, um, Burgess, right? Oh, just wonderful. You know, there's more coming. There's more. <laughs> I figures. I figured as much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, without saying exactly what, but I mean, the monster is is up to something. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Ember, I, I just have to call back to the first episode of this season, of season four. Just the scene of him covered in kittens. It's so great. Oh, it's great. So good. 
I took the screenshot. It was like it's so fucking good. Like it's like you're looking at it and he's he's just it's just dripping with power and And honey and sweets and evil (laughs) and kittens. Oh, and the light shining down. You know, like it was just perfect. You know, and 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 he just took his time with each little kitten and each little. You know, and I said, oh, love it. My first screenshot that I took of like any of the episodes this season was one of those kittens. I'm going to try to see if I can, Oh no, what is going on here? I must've thrown it away, but I just had this like picture that I just fell in love with, um, of like Ember in focus with like a blurry cat, just like looking back at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe my favorite shot, uh, continuing with the episode. The next thing on my list is the stuff with Marina 23 and the glamored break bill set. So I just like, we did this a little bit, but I just want to take, Take a moment to bask in the glory that is having Casey roll back on the show. <laughs> I love Casey so much. I, um, you know, Canadian actress from Vancouver, uh, and um, she works a lot. And you know, we're lucky to have her play Casey and 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 to have her return. You know, quite a bit. You know, she's on the show a lot. And um, I told her, I said, I'm so happy you're on the show. And she was like, Oh my God, thank you. And I, I totally meant it. You know. Um, she is the hedge witch, B I T C H. The hedge witch <laughs> so, in charge, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's the H B I C. Yeah. She, you know, she, um, uh, perfect description for Marina. And, you know, Marina is the cunt with fangs. Yeah. <laughs> Such a perfect. You know, like, I, after the, after, yeah. I, I, I hope I'm not offending anyone with the, with the words, but, um, you know, it's in I mean, the show. It, it, it's in the show. Yeah. I mean, she's doesn't take shit off anybody at all, you know, and, uh, no. she, she runs, she does her thing, you know, she's like yeah, the very definition of fierce. I think yes. it was in the episode fierce. before, but when yeah. Penny asks her or not Penny, but DJ Hansel asks her if she's one of the good guys and she's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that was, I think that was Isaac. He says, so you're like a, you're like a good white. Like oh, a good yeah, white I think it was Isaac. Goes, uh-huh, yeah. 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 <laughs> everyone knows that I'm just nice and generous and good to everyone. I live to give. Wasn't that something something like that that she said? <laughs> so one of the things that I think is really interesting in this episode, but we've also seen like hints of it before, is the relationship between Marina and Fogg. Because yes. at times she seems to have like no respect to him whatsoever. She, Danny right. was pointing out that she calls him by his first name, which like no other students would even dare to do. But like also when she chooses to turn him into somebody, she picks her own father, which I mean, there's clearly some baggage there, but it's just such an interesting choice. So, yeah, Rick, what's that about? Oh, uh, man, they definitely have a history, those two. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, Marina, she could have been. Dean Fogg's, you know, prize student, but mm. um, uh, she chose a dark path. They've clashed in the past, you know, like the stuff that we haven't seen on the on the show. You know, like I would love for a future an episode where they, we go back just a bit to when they maybe first meet, you know, Marina and, and, and Dean Fogg. Yeah, I think that'd be really good. Um, but they don't like each other. They they just don't like each other. They don't get along. There's the a, a, a sort of a conflict between the two that that like the second they're in the room together, like they just clash right away. They were never lovers. Um, some people have asked that, and um, they they <laughs> they they've never had that, you know. Um, I think but, it's because Marina jokingly makes a comment in like the 
third season when they go. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that one, but she also makes a comment when they run into Marina 23 the first time originally, right. and she says something about how, like, they've slept right. together. And I think it's a joke, but... Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> maybe in that timeline. Maybe they maybe they had a little bit of something, you know. I'm but in, in, in the timeline that, you know, I would say the timeline that we all know, um, Marina was simply, there was no romantic uh, involvement between the two. It was, it was more like, Marina is so talented and so powerful. Um, um, but again, like she chose it, she chose a, a dark path and, and, and Henry just couldn't have her on the campus and, and, you know, cannot at all be a, a student at break bills. I wonder uh, if there's ever a timeline where she like actually, you know, made it through break bills. Possibly. I mean, possibly it'd That'd be interesting be. for sure. Yeah. An interesting episode. But, or I mean, a fan. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I mean, I, I think he's slightly, slightly afraid of what she can do, mm-hmm. you know, because she's she's so yeah. talented and so strong, and, and 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 magic just flows through her that um, she can completely flip everything on its head. I mean, she has the ability to, to do that, and and I think Henry knows that. Fog knows that. He is trying, you know, at all costs to protect everything, break bills, the integrity of what it means to be a, a magician, you know. And Marina represents everything. She's the opposite of everything that he's about. You know, he's he's about trying to produce the best magicians that he can, and 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 educate the best students that he can, and and do the best thing that he can. But she's sort of against. She goes the other way. I love the character a lot, and uh, I I hope they keep writing for her. <laughs> I always sort of saw her as like Fog's biggest disappointment. Yeah. Probably, I, yeah. Uh, I, I think at some point he like I, like you know if I were to write the episode I would say that when they first met he 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 said well she's she's it she's the future of this university this 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 young student here mm-hmm. um, one day she will be my prize student you know and something happened between them that that um, caused them to split and and I think Henry realized that you know she's she she's dangerous like she is has the ability to do dark magic. To do magic that is is dangerous and deadly, and 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 um, there's no she doesn't really have a limit, you know. I, that's kind of how I see Marina, and, and um, like she doesn't answer to really anyone, you know. At the same time, Henry Henry doesn't really answer to anyone either, so <laughs> so they're kind of like they're really sort of the same in a lot of ways, you know. So that's not the only like pairing. If Fog gets a lot of pairings in this episode, in part because of you know the certain nature of the content, but one of the the big ones in terms of just like the space it takes up is Todd. Um, And (laughs) if you've heard like 10 seconds of our podcast before, you know we love Todd, but we barely see him with Fog at all before this. So I guess I was just curious, why is Todd the one that like Fog hires to do his bidding? Because he's Todd. (laughs) Um, Fucker. I can't help it. Whenever I hear Todd, I'm like, God damn it, Todd. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like, I, like I, if Stella was here with me, we'd both be doing, Todd, <laughs> we, <laughs> we love Todd. I think, um, I thought it was really cool. I think the writers really wanted to give us more to do together because Todd is sort of Fog's apprentice. And in the previous seasons, you just haven't really seen them together a lot. So yeah, he talks I, about it. Yeah. And I think that they wanted to write something for me and Adam to do together. And, and it worked out great. You know, I thought it was really, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <out> so well. <laughs> you know, and Todd, <laughs> in, 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 in with Fog, he has, 
someone who we can sort of blame things on, like, God damn it, Todd, you know, and it gives Fogg a, 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 at least someone to point a finger at, you know. He helped Fogg, and, you know, he, he's, you know, he probably does a lot of different things for, for Fogg. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I see a lot of liquor buying in Todd's Liquor buying, future. you know, going to the dry cleaners, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, whatever Fogg needs, you know. Todd, so, you know, you know, and you have those jobs when you're 18, 19 years old, you know, you, 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 you're an apprentice or you're an intern and you just do whatever you got to do. You know what I mean? Like that's how Todd the gopher. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I had that type of job as well. And, you know, whatever my boss needed, I would do it, you know? Uh, and, um, I think, I think people have really, really fallen in love with Todd a lot. So, um, and he, he plays, he played, Adam plays the character just perfectly. So <laughs> it's funny as shell. Is shit. <laughs> yeah, Todd is just like all throughout the episode. He's just kind of like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have said that." And it always just reminds yeah. me of like Hagrid, like in Harry. Like, uh, oh no! Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I should not have said that. I ran into it was funny. I, I was um, it was Halloween night. I, I was heading out of my apartment building and then this dude walks in into the lobby and he's, he's, he's wearing a black leather jacket, black pants, and his face is painted like a cat. And it was at- <laughs> and, and it, it, like, it was like, one, like, I wasn't even expecting to see anyone, you know, and there he is standing in the lobby and we're like, dude, what's up, man? Come here, give me a hug. And um, he said he was going to some Halloween party, you know, uh, that my neighbors were having or something. And, but um, we hadn't seen each, we hadn't seen each other since oh, the last episode that I saw him in. So it was good. good to, he's a good guy. We need to have Todd on pod again. <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, what about Julia? He clearly feels responsible for her and the thing. Fog. Fog. Right? fog yes. Fog. Not Todd. <laughs> he clearly feels responsible right. for her and the thing. He says to Kimber near the end of the episode and how it's an honor to finally be her teacher makes it seem right. like there's more to it than that. You know, I, I, I just love the, the arc that these two characters have, have been on so far. It's been amazing. And, and um, I, I know we're talking about 402, but um, I, I, have to, I have to quickly just briefly touch on 401 for a second. Because yeah, when Fogg is looking through the magic lens in his classroom and it cracks mm. and his his... his one of his greatest fears has just been realized that, that, that she has, she has found her way back to break bills. You know, he's trying to protect her and everyone. She's back. There she is sitting in his classroom. Those scenes that we did for, for the 402 were just, I, I just love him so much. And, and, um, he, you know, he has to spill it out to her and tell her, Hey, look, I can't protect them, but one day you, one day you can, you know, and, and trust me, you know, when we were doing these scenes, um, you know, it was, it was so, it was so emotional and so, so, so powerful, you know, the, the, the feelings that were coming up because um, he really loves Julia. You know, he really does. He cares for her tremendously. He wants her to be all right, you know. In the hallway scene, when they cross, when they, when he, when they catch each other in the hallway, and then she says, I know, I know what happened. I know, what, you know, what this is about. I'm one of the students that you're talking about. I'm the one that you cast a spell over. And then he says, um, finally getting to be your teacher has been a great honor. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, man, yeah. it, was, it was really, really powerful because remember in, in all the other timelines in the, in the timeline that we know now, Fogg rejected Julia from break mills, you know, mm-hmm. 
And and then she became a hedge witch and you know everything, then a goddess and everything. In all the other timelines, she or he admitted her to break bills. So in this one, you know, he didn't admit her. And and then everything sort of went in a whole different direction. And 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 he has this a connection and a um, a powerful bond that he that he feels for her, and he, and he greatly cares for her. I've always, I've been asked a few times in different interviews, like, do you know, do do you care about Julian? Do you care about Alice? And I'm like, how could I not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how could I not? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, even if he potentially started out not caring that much after having been through that many timelines with them, it's inevitable. Yeah. Well, there's a great, there's a great, exactly, there's a great yeah. scene, and um. I think it's season three or two. Um, I believe it's three. Is this the previous yes. timeline one? And, and well, well, yeah, there's that one, yeah. yeah. And then we 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 shot it so that well, Julia is we we see when she's admitted to break bills, and then she's a she's a knowledge student, just like Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're like they're kind of like they're kind of like bros. Like they like you know they they respect each other. They have the same discipline and they had the same you know desire to learn magic. And he really really just connects with her right away. And then we, and then they, then we flip to our present timeline where she wasn't admitted. She became a hedge witch, and then he has her locked in this dungeon in the basement. And then she says something, and then her shade is missing as well. And he's, and he's, and she says, "You don't know me." And then, he, and then he says, 39 times I've known you." And there's, and there's one thing that I know about you, Miss Wicker, is that you are a searcher, I believe, searcher, and you'll find a way out or something like that. You know, like he he very much knows who this woman is, but she doesn't know that. So, <laughs> so I also I also really loved the scenes where Todd's helping Julia slash Kimber, even with her entire identity gone. She's still so smart. And when she touches the battery for the first time and gets zapped across the room, Todd right. cares so much. And then she keeps doing it. And he's just like, fuck it. We kind of explained that earlier, <laughs> but it's just so funny, like yeah. how he just kind of gets <laughs> over it. He's just like, ah, she's going to do her thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I I think, like, there's an interesting circularity in the, like, relationships that you, that, like, Fog has and the relationships that people have with each other in this episode. So, like, Fog has this sort of, you said, like, apprentice-y relationship, like, teacher-apprentice relationship with Todd. And then Fog has this almost, like, paternal relationship with Julia and then, like, Julia and Todd have this kind of, like, funny relationship in this in this timeline, in this version where she's Kimber, right? Like, they're the people who are working together to figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was it, – it, it seemed like that couldn't be by yeah, accident. Totally, yeah, yeah. I think all these characters, and, and I think especially now that we're, you know, we're, we've just finished shooting season four. Like, we all really, I think, have a, a solid grounding in terms of who these characters are and – how they play out and play against each other. This is a great place to be. I mean, for, for the first time, I would say for the first time in my career, I, I would say that I'm, I'm on a show where if, if, if I get a script tonight, I, I know how to, you know, have an, a strong grounding in the character. Hmm. So we're not like the, the first season is always like, it's like a football team trying to gel together. Like you're trying to learn each other's moves and who's, who does this better and who does that better. And now we're at the point where like we, we get it. And, and I think, you know, our greatest, perhaps the greatest work, our greatest episodes might might even might not have been written yet. You know what I mean? I, but I, I can tell you that mm. I'm really, really proud of season four. I'm proud of all of them. But I, I really there's something about season four that's I think really, really special. And um, it's in the characters. You gotta have a, a series, and I know every actor says this, but you have to have a series 
where the audience falls in love with the people. And this is one reason why I never wanted to be in a, a series regular. You know, it's not about the money. Money is important. You know, you have to make a living and take care of yourself. But I never wanted to be on, end up on a, on, a, on a formula show like CSI. You know, no disrespect. You know, there's great actors on CSI. But, man, you're doing the same thing pretty much every, every week. You know? You're, you know, you're solving this crime. And then, oh, that crime is like the one we just did. You know, with the magicians, you know, we get a chance to kind of go through a whole thing, man, and, and, and die and then be born again. And then, you know, <laughs> you know like it's just, it's like, it's just like and I never know what what's going to happen next. But one thing that keeps keeps everything in place is that I think all of us, including Adam and Casey, uh, Todd and, and 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 Marina and all the other guest guest stars, we have a ground. We have a, I think a, we're very comfortable playing these characters now, and I think that that helps so much with the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you want a character-driven show, Mischief Managed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So. I hate to short shrift Summer slash Margot, but I think for the sake of time, we should move on to fashion, which I have, to, I have to say, like, I'm so excited to talk to you, Rick, about fashion because Dean Fogg is just so fucking dapper. Ah. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, this is a really cool episode for it, too, because this is the episode where we meet the woman who makes all of Fogg's, right. like, custom suits and hand-sewn yeah. shirts. And, like, she's played by Sherilyn Fenn, who is a fucking legend. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, like, what did you make of her analysis of Fogg's sartorial fixation? I love I loved her so much. I never worked with her, with Sherilyn, and we instantly had chemistry. Like, the, the second we rehearsed, we were like, <laughs> you can't, you can't, either you're going to have it or not have it, and we had it, mm-hmm. like, right away. It's almost, and I said, this is like we, it's, it's like Fog and Etta have been, like we've known each other for 30 years, you know, and it mm-hmm. felt like it. I, w- I thought it was great casting. I was so happy. Uh, Lori Leeser, our producer, uh, one of my oldest friends, she said, we got Sherilyn Finn who's playing Etta. And I was like, oh my gosh, great. <laughs> you know, and um, uh, she nailed her scenes. I mean, just beautiful, uh, perfect. The idea of them sitting down and then her making this, this beautiful suit for Henry Fogg was just great because it gives them time to talk about what's, what's really going on. She says, you know, the suits, the ties, the shirts, the way you dress, everything, it's, a, it's an armor around you. You don't want to let anybody in, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't want anybody to see that you really have a, a caring, kind heart, you know? And I was like, man, wow, mm. powerful. And it, yes. I, th- I thought it was so spot on, you know, like she really read him, you know, perfectly. And, and, and um, there's really no one else I can think of in, the, in this world of the magicians that, that, that could say that to Henry Fogg and, 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 and he's OK with it. You know, if yeah. anyone's going to say something like that to him, it, it, it would be her, you know, and, and um, like she knows this man. Uh, they're friends. You know, they love each other. And you can see the truth of it just in like the way, right, like. He tears his suit to get her there. He can't just That's call right. her up and be like, yeah. hey, I need to talk to yeah. you. He has to make an excuse. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and she comes, you know, and then, and, and um, it's really touching. I mean, I, uh, man, I love, I love the scene so much. And, and I thought, I thought it, um, when I saw it, when I watched the episode a few weeks ago, I, I, I said, man, it played just wonderfully. You know, I'm really proud of it. Uh, it, it's a, it's, it's a very, one of those sort of special intimate moments where Fogg lets down his shield, you know, 
his, his guard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, you can you can see him, you know, you can kind of really see the, the, the rawness of him there, you know. And, uh, you know, he breaks down when he smells the suit. It smells like his grandmother's huckleberry pie. And, and then he just loses it, yeah. you know. And I was just like, man, finally, at last, we finally get a look inside this guy. And, and, and what is it that really drives him? You know, and again, it's pain. You know, it's, it's loss, sadness, and um, a lot of other things that uh, are connected to that from his childhood. So even now, it's kind of hard for me to talk about it. But, <laughs> but I, I, um, I, I love the scene with, with Etta and, and, and Henry Fogg. I think it's just a wonderful scene. Magalie, who's our costume designer, our wardrobe designer, um, she's just brilliant. And she told me, she said, she said, you're going to be the best dressed character on television because this character has to stand alone outside of anyone else. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you have a lot of shows on TV with some well-dressed men and women. You have suits. You have, I don't know how many other different shows. She says, true, but it's all in the details. She said, um, speaking hmm. of details, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, clues. So a lot of the actors have said that uh, Magali always often like includes Easter eggs and like hidden clues about the characters within their costumes. Are there any things like that for Fog that you can tell us about? <laughs> for Fog, I would I would say that there aren't any really hidden Easter eggs for him in terms in terms of how he dresses. Um, uh, but I can tell you that if you pay attention to how he ties his ties, and I tie my own ties, I, I've learned how to tie them all. So. Each tie is tied differently depending upon, like my idea was that I'm, I'm, he's going to tie his tie according to where he is emotionally and where he where he is in the in the series itself. So in the first tie, hmm. first tie knot, the tie knot that you see in 402, that's the classic fog magicians break bills look. Like it's 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 called the Linwood Taurus, and it, it's like a it's like a double Taurus or it's like a um it's like a double Windsor but it's inverted. Like you see two loops on the outside like this, mm-hmm. and then the knot, right. Right, 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 okay, right. Instead of them being so that's the classic fog, break bills, everything's cool. <laughs> Look, I'm in charge, everything's fine. The more layered, and you'll see this as the season goes on, the more layered and the more complex things get, the more elaborate the tie will be. Interesting. Yeah. So you'll see maybe one tie that, that's got like five folds, like one, two, three, four, five, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll, it, it, it just depends on what's going on. If it's a scene maybe with, with Zelda, it might be a very elaborate knot, you know, because he's kind of, I think the thing about Fog for this season is that he has moved beyond, as we're, just to kind of get back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the interview, he's moved on from being the dean, from being, you know, Dean Fogg, professor of magic, father figure. He's moved on. He's more this season, he's more of like a, he's, he's, he's still that, but he's also very much has become like a businessman and a politician plotting. Scheming. Absolutely. You know, he's in the, yeah. the business and politicking and the wheeling and dealing of magic, literally magic itself. And um, he's had to put on that, you know, that hard business face and sit down and, 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 and negotiate with people, particularly, you know, with Zelda, you know, so those are some of my favorite scenes. I'm not sure what you've seen so far. Uh, I think we had the scene with Zelda. Zelda, yeah. The last so, episode, the like yeah. first yeah, the one where he's trying to negotiate yes. extra magic for the uh, That's right. Tests. That's right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For Fog, the details are in how he ties his tie, and, and uh, he's incredibly well-dressed, you know, and, and, and um, uh, I, I, love, I love the character a lot, and it's has uh, flowed into how I dressed him. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's actually 
our next question. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Teen Fog outfit? And has playing Fog influenced your own personal style at all? Yes and yes. <laughs> Great questions. Um, um, my favorite Dean Fogg outfit um, is this gorgeous dark navy two-piece suit that's, uh, I believe that's by Jack Victor. And it fits me like, like it was like made for my body. Like it just, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm 6'3", and well, I've trimmed down for season four. I got back in the gym this year. But um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to say, but um you know, I'm pretty tall and, you know, uh, I guess athletic build or whatever, but I like this, like they have to, my problem with my wardrobe whenever I go in is, is the length of my arms. Cause I have these alien long arms. So <laughs> yeah, you hey, me too. <laughs> so, um, hey, welcome to the club. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yay. And, um, they, that's always an issue with me. And, and, you know, I, I have to go in for like an extra couple of more fittings just so everything can fit right. You know, standard procedure. That suit, man, fits me so well. And um, I took a picture <laughs> of the suit, and I went out and found. I couldn't find the exact one because they were, they were sort of hard to find, but I found one that was similar to it. So I, I, I bought one, and I bought some other suits. <laughs> and um, you know, it's you know, it's something kind of cool. And I I will sometimes rock the Dean Fogg tie if I'm going out to dinner. You know, or if maybe I'm on a date or something, maybe I'll like the tie. But I. I love it, and I, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I remember going. I was going to go see, I think I was going to go see Black Panther one night, which I've seen for twenty four times now. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow! <laughs> I think that's more times than I've seen I Harry Potter. I'm like I'm a little bit obsessed. It's like when I went to see The Matrix, I saw it thirty times or something. <laughs> by the time it was all over, I um I I remember I went out to to the movies and I had on some. I didn't wear the full suit, but I had like a like a kind of a cool sport, like a blazer, and then I had like a really cool tie, and mm-hmm. I did a little really kind of like a fancy tie knot, you know, that I'd done on the show, and I put a little hanky in my pocket, and I went out to go see, take myself on a date, and this young lady was standing in front of me, and she was so cute, and she was really funny, and she says, "Oh my God, you you look amazing." I said, "Oh, well, thank you." <laughs> she said, "Like, what type of tie knot is that?" And I said, "Oh, you know, it's the Lindbergh Taurus." And, why are you dressed so so fancy? And I said, well, you know, I, I something I like to do, you know. She says, wow. And I, uh, she says, I wish my boyfriend would do that. <laughs> 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 and I said, you know what? Tell, your, tell him it's okay to rock a tie from time to time. You don't have to put on the full suit, but you can put on some jeans and a cool jacket and a tie. It's fine, you know. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you were You just got some new glasses, right? I got some fog-inspired glasses, and in fact, hold on, I'll, I'll get them for you. You like these? I got these, um, and we were talking uh, when we did the test guide. But I, I don't—I think I told you I don't really spend money on sunglasses because I always lose them. Um, but I really, really wanted some cool sunglasses for my birthday last year, so I got these. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I got these. I found them in a store in L.A. called, God, what was it, Alex something on Larchmont Boulevard. You know, they're kind of steampunky, and they're made out of metal, and I had to get them. <laughs> Man, I love them so much. And, of course, I'm sure I'm going to lose these at some point, so I have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Last question before we move on to non-Dean Fogg fashion choices in the episode. Okay. Um, yeah. If you could choose any character's wardrobe to steal, whose would it be? Oh, wow. Um, wow, that's a good question. 
Ember. <laughs> I don't think we've ever gotten that answer before. <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's a good one. I, 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 like, I love, like, he's just so cool to me. I love how, you know, the horns and everything, the way he looks, but, like, he's got, he's puts on some sort of shirt that's just kind of loose and open, and he's got these pants on, and he always just looks so cool and comfortable, you know? <laughs> and, um... You know, and, and he's, you know, this six foot nine God, you know, and, and I, oh, I just, I love the character so much. So. <laughs> <laughs> like something Fabio would wear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Fabio. <laughs> Whatever Fabio. happened to him? <laughs> I, don't I don't know what happened. Didn't he do, he did some, com- didn't he do some commercials or something? Well, he, he was in all those, like, I can't believe it's not butter commercials. I can't believe it's not butter. In like the late yeah. 80s, early 90s. But I don't know what happened to him I after that. I'm gonna have to like go on. I feel like the last time I saw him was in Dooder's my car. Was in what? I said the last time I saw him was like in Dooder's my car. That was quite a while ago. Oh yeah. I also saw that movie, and I feel confused about the fact that I saw it. (laughs) I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys? There's a movie called uh, just just quickly off topic. There's a movie called um, Used Cars. You ever, you ever heard of it? That. No. It's, it's from the 80s, and it's on Netflix, and you should see it. It's hilarious. Really funny. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, really Check funny. it out. Okay, yeah, so... Used cars. Other fashion stuff from this episode. Um, one of the th- touches that I really loved was that um, both of both Fen and uh, Janet slash Margot are in pantsuits, but, like, sure. both of them are also special to me, so, like... I we were talking last season when like Fen went to Earth and she got to wear jeans for the first time about how great it was <laughs> and that like, we like we hoped that that part of like that experience of like women can wear pants was a thing that she would take back and it, it was so exciting to see her in like the first her first appearance in the season wearing a pantsuit and like being yeah. a boss but then I also yes. the like Margot slash Janet pantsuit was like a white pantsuit and it seemed to me like that had to be a nod to the Hillary Clinton white pantsuit when she accepted the Democratic nomination. Oh, wow. Um which Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Especially since like Margot is Hillary Clinton feels so perfect. Yes. You're absolutely right. That has to be it. <laughs> we pay a lot of attention to fashion. That. I hadn't even thought about that, but damn, you're right. Because Hillary Clinton was wearing an all white pantsuit when mm-hmm. she accepted the Democratic uh, nomination for president. And, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Well, and it was a big thing, right? Like, for her, it was a nod to the suffragettes, right? Like, because suffragette right. white. And, I don't know, it just felt so, it felt like such a perfect little uh Yeah, they're always, they're always dropping in. I mean, our writers are awesome. They're always dropping in stuff and, you know, making sure that it, it, it connects to what's happening, you know, in, in, in the real world and, and be it, you know, pop culture or politics or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, I love that so much, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, the women on this show are just badasses, all of them. So. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I very much love um, how they have written not only not only Margot, but, but you know, uh, uh, Katie as well and, and uh, Alice, uh, Julia, like they're all these s- strong women. And I've worked on other shows where I'm like, man, I just wish they would write more for her to do. Or like, you know, you know, you know, why does she, why does she always need a man to rescue her? You know, like mm. in this show, the women just stand on their own. 
Yeah. You know, I, I just love it so much. And um, the writers make no, um, uh, they don't, they don't uh, dumb down or sugarcoat or, you know, anything. I yeah. mean, they, they write, write characters and, and strong, independent people. And, and that's how it's always been. So, I mean, that's how Sarah is. So, you know, <laughs> if you haven't met Sarah, she's, she's just a title. She's a force, you know, and she like, she, <laughs> I think she is just like one of these titans of, of TV, like Shonda Rhimes. Like they're just like, you know what, Amazing. fuck it. It's a, it's a man's world, but I'm going to make room for, so it'll, you know, I'm making room for me, you know, like I'm making room for not only me, but all the other women out there give a fuck about this man's world bullshit. You know, it's, it's, it's our world, you know, and, and that's how, that's how Sarah is, you know, and I've always loved that about her. So didn't mean to go off on a tangent. <laughs> no, it's a good tangent. Well, it was funny. I saw just, just yesterday, the day before, um, Roxanne Gay tweeted about like all the shows that had name dropped her and the magicians was on that list. I, I, I don't oh, nice. remember it specifically, but I would guess it was from the episode where, um, Julia and, uh, who was with Julia when they go and they find um, Reynard back on Earth after he's been like depowered? Penny. When they go find it was Penny. Okay. It was right. Because oh, like I, yeah. I know they make a bunch of comments about him being like a fake feminist <laughs> at that point. So I was like, oh, I bet that's when they brought up the Roxanne Gay yeah. thing. Yeah, I think it is. I think he said he'd been reading it or something. Yeah, something oh. like that. Um, like Bell Hooks and Roxanne Gay. It's like, no, you haven't. Go away. Uh, <laughs> 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 but like, I think, like that really speaks to the Love to what Bell the show is trying to do Sorry. too. You just drop Bell Hooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love Bell Hooks? Nobody's sane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my my yeah. last fashion, fashion thing. wise though, no, I'm surprised you didn't mention Fen's like cloak because it looked awesome. Oh, I didn't even yeah. notice the cloak. I was so focused on the pantsuit. Yeah, her cloak is awesome. It's like when <laughs> yeah. they it's when they go to confront Bacchus. Oh. Right. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, I do remember it now. And you know, Fen has you know Fen's gone from this you know this kind of sweet innocent Phil- Philorian young women to, you know, being boss, <laughs> you know, she has a uh, really I, uh, emotional, like tender moment with Margot, And they realize that it like, it really is Margot, And like, she gives her back the crown. That was just like, just little tears. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a really fan and Elliot together. You know, I mean, it's, I love them together. <laughs> <laughs> I love their dysfunctional family. Their dysfunctional family is like, Oh, listen to your mother, you know. I don't know. I love. Uh, I forget the young actress who played their daughter, Madeline um, something. Yes. Madeline Arthur. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to see them all standing together is just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a Kodak moment. You know, really <laughs> <good>. <laughs> it's a really fucked up Kodak moment. <laughs> yeah, really fucked up dysfunctional Kodak moment. You know, as yeah. is my family and most people I know. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the last fashion thing I wanted to mention is that just that Todd has gone full Elliot wannabe this season. <laughs> um, like, he's wearing the vests. But I did think that, like, some of yeah. his specific choices did seem a little more like he was emulating fog. Like, the floral print on the shirt and the skinny tie. Those seem a little more Elliot's like worn things. that, too. Elliot, yeah. Elliot wore that, like, in, like, season one. But Wait. also, Elliot, I feel like, is trying to emulate fog, too. So. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, like a so, yeah. yeah, it's a circle, and uh, yeah, Elliot definitely is, has been trying to imitate. I think, especially in season one, he was trying to imitate Fog. And you guys can't—I don't know how well you can see in the, when the episodes air, like the shoes that we wear. 
Can you see those pretty well? Or sometimes. Like the shoes? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes. we so we watch every episode three times usually before we uh, okay. do these. So we 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 oh, okay. probably see it more than most fans who are just like casually watching on the air. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, um, I, I love that you watch watch it. You know, several times uh, because I mean, I've watched. You know. I've watched and I'm like, man, I missed that. I didn't see that the first time, you know, and I have to, I kind of want to watch something two or three times, but um, like we wear, especially Fog, Elliot, and I guess Todd at this point, like we wear some pretty cool shoes on the show. And also Fog, again, it's the details. What makes him stand out is that his shoelaces are never the same color. Like they're always a different color. So like he'll have, yeah, like he'll have like like an orange colored shoelace or like a purple colored shoelaces or pink or you know green like i've worn all kinds of different colored shoelaces and sometimes you just can't see them just because of where the the camera is maybe here so you know maybe sitting at the desk but i walk on the set wearing like bright purple shoelaces with this (laughs) ted baker suit or something you know and but you you would never see it unless unless the camera happened to pan down and you can see or you know there's a long a wide shot a big long wide shot or something Uh Every now and then, like I like I'm, I try to be aware and uh, of where the camera is and and you know what size shot it is because I would love for people to maybe once or twice just kind of see that you know. But it's a really cool little detail that really helps me a lot, you know, as <laughs> as, as the characters. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, on those details. Yeah. Okay, we're done with fashion. Um, so it's on to MVPs. Um. I find it really hard to award MVPs for big ensemble episodes, um, but I will say that one of the things that I really enjoyed in this episode was just all the unusual pairings, like getting to see so many people who we haven't seen together before, like getting to see you right. and Adam have like these extended scenes, getting to see Adam and Stella, like <laughs> that was such a fun yeah. pairing. And then the scene you yeah. did with, um, with, Cheryl and Fenn. So I think maybe my MVP for this episode is just going to be unusual pairings. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> That's cool. You're cheating. Sure. Yeah, I'm cheating. cheating, but whatever. We've been doing this for four seasons. I'm allowed to cheat. <laughs> Todd gave me a cheating that. spell. <laughs> I'm like, damn it, you got, you got the cheating spell, and I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you. It's like this. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> You, oh, permission man. granted. You cheat all day. <laughs> all right, Danny. Did you fare any better? Did did you do you have an MVP for us? Or are you also cheating? I think like well, I wasn't gonna like full cheat. I was gonna go with two. Okay. So I would say it would be Adam, and then of course our guest Rick. They were just, <laughs> honestly, though, like there's just so many deep moments with with fog that it's so yeah. hard not to give it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like the death episode, even though, you, you know, at the end of the episode becomes Dean fog again, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I agree. I totally agree with you both. I, you know, I love the pairings in this episode so much and, and in the season too. Like it, it's, it's really prominent in this episode because, you know, it's fog and Todd. You know, <laughs> um, they even have the names even sound similar, you know, and I love yeah. that. Um, this, <laughs> and it was Fog, Todd, you know, um, and then it's Todd and Julia and then uh, Fog and, and, and Etta. And um, uh, then you have Marina, you yeah, know, yeah. who's just become group as well, you know, and she's trying to get their identities back for them. And, you know, I, I love I love how they all 
have sort of paired off, you know, it, it must be just so, I am not a writer and I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I act, you know, um, and I directed one time and I, I, I very much liked it, but it was a lot of work. And I think I, I, I got a little older within like six months just because there's, you know, you're constantly, you're not sleeping. You're like, you're just worried about the project, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it must be so freaking challenging trying to figure out shit. Okay. We just got picked up. What do we do now? You know, we just got another season. What do we, <laughs> what do we do? You know? And I, I admire our writers because they have, they find all these really cool ways to keep the show so interesting. And, and I think mm-hmm. one of the ways is, is how characters are paired up together. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'll, let me just, if I can just quickly say when I first met Jason four years ago in the week, Louisiana, we're doing the pilot, and um, he comes into Fogg's office and he says, "You know, you you've been offered a entrance into uh, break bills, and you know he's trying to explain what all these these sense globes are, and his like he's you know, <laughs> like it was a great scene. And I remember I was I kept eating all this food. I think it was like vegetarian bacon because I was a vegetarian at the time, and I was eating all this veggie bacon that they made for me and trying to do the scene. We did the scene, and I I remember talking to Jason. I said, "Man, that was one of the like I know we just met like." like two hours ago, but that felt great. You know, and he says, yeah, I feel the same way. And I, he has to this day has been one of my favorite pairings is fog and, 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 and Quentin. Mm. And, and I've also, I, I very much love fog and Alice together too. I have to say. Oh yeah. And, uh, and then probably my favorite after that would be, would be, well, I don't need pick favorites, but my favorite three would be fog and, 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 uh, Quentin fog and Alice and fog and Julia you know, or the, yeah. like, I just love every time we all get a chance to be with them. I haven't had a lot with Summer, with, uh, with Margo. I haven't had a lot with, with, with Penny. I haven't had a lot with Elliot. Um, I just haven't, you know, so, or, you know, or Katie, you know, so hopefully we'll see. You did have that really great one with Hale when, um, Elliot came back for a short time from Fillory from and like, Fillory. was asking like, yeah. what do I do? Oh, and yeah. that was a great moment. The I don't have the answers one. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I said, I remember, I think I said something at the end of the scene, doesn't Fog? I think Fog said something like, your thesis project is how to rule an entire goddamn world or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like the writing is just, you get a chance to say something like that. You know, I, I just, it's, it's priceless. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting toward the end. Um, Danny. Mm-hmm. episode rating what do you rate this episode i know that it's early in the season and we always shoot ourselves in the foot by doing this but i have to say it's, <laughs> it's truly a 10 out of 10 <laughs> oh. oh i'm glad you enjoyed it i really did i'm gonna had- i'm gonna kiss i'm gonna kiss the screen right now for you <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> i can see your face is like your face is like this big on my on my laptop <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's, that's a, terrifying. Her, her face is like this big in real life. She's she's a tiny, truly in tiny life, human. I'm very small. <laughs> I'm like five. I'm five foot nothing and small. Very small. <laughs> you look big. <laughs> she has a big personality. Yes. I do. Big personality. You're like Ethel Merman. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so now I have to follow that, and I'm trying not to shoot myself in the foot, which I still am going to do, 
I was gonna give this an eight out of ten. Don't hate me. <laughs> Don't smash the screen. <laughs> and you're like, like your head is like this big on the screen. Like it's super. Ooh. Oh, the small one. That's what mine is right now. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you this too. Mm. Uh. <laughs> yes. Um. Heart, I well, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so here, I'm going to hold up one side of the heart and you hold up the other. So I'm going to go like okay. this. Amelia, and you say, air heart. Get it? Because it's an air heart. Air heart. Air heart. Sorry. One pun per episode. Well, I'm I think required. that was my, your first pun of the season. That was, re- that was really clever. And um, next time we do an interview, I'll make sure I have uh, like enough tequila <laughs> next to me. Something. I'm just, I'm just quicker. I'm funnier with tequila. So there we go. <laughs> well, I'm terrified. Then, we, should, you've been... uh, we should try a drinking game version. A drinking game version. Uh, an interview. <laughs> an interview. Yeah. No, I would die never... in like two seconds. I drink so little. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rick, we're, we're not going to ask you to rate the episode because that's like so deeply unfair. But what we would like to know are what are some of the favorite episodes that you've been in for like the whole series up until now? Oh my gosh. Um, I love, uh, I believe it's called 39 Times. Oh, is yeah. That, is, that, is that from season 39 one? Graves. 39 Graves. 39 Graves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that one. My dad also loves that. My 75 year old father, um, who hasn't seen every episode. <laughs> I think he saw all of season one and, and a lot of season two. Um, but um, he, he was in the hospital for a little while, but he, he's, he's okay now. So thank God. Um, but. Um, my dad really liked that episode a lot. Um, I liked it a lot as well. I love, I, love, I don't know, it's kind of hard to, to say. I, not just the stuff that I was in, too. Like, I, there's other episodes that really shine, you know. Um, I can tell you that I very much liked season one a lot uh, because we're sort of assembling the team, you know, and getting, getting everyone, all the players together. I love the episode where um, Fog goes to Alice's house and... Um, tries to get her to come back to break bills. I can't oh, remember yeah. the name of the episode. No, it's like the, is that? Is it like episode six or something? Or the one with remember. like the mentors or something, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Alice's aunt, Alice's aunt, uh, I think her name was, her name, uh, it was Denise uh, Crosby. Uh, right, <laughs> from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from Star Trek, yeah, Denise Crosby. And um, love Denise, she's an old, old friend of mine. And um, uh, I was hoping they would bring her back. I really thought she was wonderful. I love that episode when the fog goes to Aunt Kenji's house to to try to get Alice to come back to break bills. Um, there's so many that I love. Um, I love the Beast. All the episodes that. Um, oh yeah. Oh yes, he's so amazing. Uh, Charles Measure. Uh, yeah, yes, Charles, Charles Measure. The whole backstory of what made him this monster mm. is just so deep, you know, and so mm-hmm. powerful. I love the the Seven Keys quest. I love all of the, that whole season. I thought every episode was spot on, great. I, I really have to say that. And I thought it was wonderful. The Munchak, you know, it, it took the show to a different level of of, of fantasy and magic. And um, there's an artist who I follow on Instagram, and he follows me, and he loves the show. His name is Sam Wagster, hmm. and Sam has made all of the keys. Like he's he's made a break bills be in key pin. Uh, with a necklace uh, attached to it, and I ordered like ten of them, <laughs> and I and, I, and I, I gave them out to people, and you know I gave them out to all the cast members and and, and some of the people in the office, and um, everyone was like, "Man, where'd you get these?" I'm like, "There's this guy in in I believe Alabama, and he his name is Sam Waxter, and he makes all these amazing. He loves the show, and he cosplays, and oh, it was just fantastic." So 
season three, let's see, season three, man, I would have to look at a list of the episodes. <laughs> man, I don't know. I mean, there's so, I like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good enough answer. I mean, I mean well, I, I, mean, I, I think, I, you know, I, I really humbly say this. I think we have really grown. Yeah. Like each episode, I think, or each season, I think, is, you know, is better than the previous one. Like, I think it, like, we really have turned yeah. the notches up. You know, we're, we're onto something really good. And it's such a good feeling. You know, I've been on other shows where I'm like, man, I, I don't know. Like, we could do better, you know? And, and, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? So I think, I think, I think we've got something good here. And, and, um, uh, I, I think we want to just do the best we can do. Well, I'm excited. And I'm excited for like everything I've heard about this season and where it's going. Like, as soon as I started reading that, a lot of it was going to be around. Well, and like I think in that article I read about the musical episode that it says it's it's around um Margot's journey in the deserts, which is like part of the yeah. third book um with Janet. Um and that's that we've just, all been waiting for. Uh, like that that is I long identified with Janet. Like in the first book there's this there's this line where I it like, you know, Quentin narrator is saying something like, um, it was annoy she was as annoying as it was possible for a person to be and still be your friend. And that's like me in a nutshell. Danny <laughs> Danny is not gonna disagree with me on that. <laughs> but like I Say that one more time. As no, as say, she's as, an, as, as annoying as, as it's possible for a person to be and still be, be your friend. Still be your friend, right? <laughs> but like, you get so yeah. much depth out of her in that third book, and if that is going to be a linchpin of this fourth season, I am like, I'm all in already. <laughs> oh yeah, believe me. I mean, it's such a, an amazing, amazing arc for uh, for Margot and um, or Janet Margot, and um, a. a terrific uh, vehicle for for summer to just really yeah. really shine i mean she and she she just delivers it just perfectly it's wonderful the musical episode um uh is just amazing and i haven't seen the whole musical episode i saw little clips of the of of uh, like playbacks of us mm-hmm. putting it, it together and it looks really 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 great you know i'm really i humbly say that uh, every, all the producers have said that they just love it and they, they're really proud of it. And, um, my singing isn't that bad, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to, it should be a fan favorite. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm really hoping that Hale also gets like a moment too, because, and not as the monster Elliot, but like yeah. he had so much character development in the books that I just feel like we right. haven't gotten yet in yeah. the show yeah. so I'm really excited for him to have like a really steady arc as well like cause he right. like learned a lot by taking over the quest when Quentin was gone in Earth in the books and right. he also has just a lot of shining moments in the third book as well so I'm just I'm hoping for something yeah, yeah. well in that moment when when we're sort of learning all about what happened in the desert with Janet in the books right like she's telling that to Elliot and there's another line in there that always sticks with me though I'm not going to have that one verbatim because you know. <laughs> uh, but there's something like it's something along the lines of like he realizes that like he's they've had this close relationship for so long and there's and he always assumed that under her under her like thick hard shell there was right. uh, or under her right under her like um hard angry shell 
um, there was something like soft and sweet. And like hearing her tell the story, he realizes like maybe all there is under that hard, angry shell is more hardness and more anger. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's I. I'm interested. I interested to see. Hopefully, he's back and he's not the monster at that point, and we get to see like how <laughs> that affects their relationship. I mean, if, I, I can just quickly say I I I, I love Hale so much, and um, I'm so happy that he has been cast uh, was cast to play Elliot. I, I think he told me initially his agent wanted him to audition for Pe- for Penny. Yeah, he yeah, did. He did. Yeah. yeah. And he and he said he said no. I think the the role that, that that I really want to read for is Elliot. And so he you know he did. Thank God. You know he's said said that that's the one he wanted. You know. Yeah. And I can't imagine anyone else playing a uh, playing him. No, uh, he's Elliot, so you know. perfect for it. Yeah, yeah, and he's creepy as the monster. So you know, he's, he's really <laughs> he is. so good. God, the shirt that he has on it says, "This is my happy shirt." And you know, oh the whole thing, you know, with one swipe of his finger, you know, he decapitates you. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, oh, I love the part though where he's like, it's he just starts kissing the little pig. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, he's like, <laughs> but it's he's not apologizing. He's not. He's just like, oh, just give us a kiss goodbye. And it's like you're gonna yeah. fucking murder that pig. He's so yeah. Yeah. yeah, incredibly, incredibly powerful god that this character is. You know, and um, <laughs> it makes it makes him even more creepy. It's like a Twilight Zone episode or something where this child has all this power you know like yeah. i can't remember the episode but it was um it was a very young ron howard oh. in twilight in twilight yeah. yeah and he was like i think his name was character's name was i think billy and he was six years old and he can think anything and it would happen you know and like he was had this godlike power you know and you didn't want to everyone was super nice around the kid because they didn't want to die you know yeah. it's the same thing with this character like he can do anything you know yeah. so yeah and, and Hale plays him so well. It's crazy. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we should wrap up. And and Danny, I think you're right. I think this is our longest episode, which our listeners will just love. They seriously, oh they God, just love up. interviews. So, um, Rick, thank you so much for joining us today. It, this has been a ton of fun. You are welcome back anytime. Now that we have your oh. agent's email address, and I guess yeah, now that we're in contact. <laughs> Yes, We're not going to let four more seasons go by before we have you back on the show. <laughs> Amen yes. to that. I, uh, I thank you both so much for uh, wanting me on your show. And, and um, uh, I think you both, you know, I know we don't know each other, you know, but if you ever see me somewhere at a convention, I'll be happy to sit down and buy you some beer or coffee, whatever you drink. And, you know, we can we can talk fandom and geekdom and anything. So. <laughs> yeah, we, can, we can talk about Black Panther because we didn't even get into that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Talk about Black Panther, and um, I got on my. I'm wearing my Black Panther bracelet that I got. Um, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, uh, and I got it on Amazon for like twenty dollars, and I wear it pretty much every day. So <laughs> <laughs> I have this. Um, I have this really cool thing that I do where I sort of cosplay a little bit of Black Panther and a little bit of Dean Fogg. Uh-huh. That's not awesome! I, like I put on the glasses, and then I put on like you know the Black Panther jacket, you know, and and then you know. <laughs> Kind of walk around and go to Seven Eleven stuff like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fun life. <laughs> yeah. Got I got You got to make it fun. So. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been so much fun, and yeah, thank you again, listeners. Thank you for sticking with us. Season four. I can't believe we've got we've gotten this far. Um, if you like our podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Physical Kids Pod. Bye. Bye.
Magic! <laughs> <laughs> Mind slide. Fuck, Todd.